It's just another Friday afternoon. Where are you coming from? Where are you headed off to once you're finished here? Eh, you know, those kinds of details don't really matter. You know, what matters now is that you've wandered straight into the best and only comic book shop in town. You're currently here at Wally's Wild World of Words and Whimsy. And we've got everything you could possibly ask for here. Collectibles, cards, and comics of all sorts. You're here for the new books, especially the newest books from Last Light Comics. Now, you know, we're still stocking up Wally's wall of new comics with the latest. You you, you showed up just a, little, just a little bit early, just a little bit early. But while you're passing the time waiting for us to get the newest books from the back, your eyes wander to a special display near the register. We've got the latest issue of These Comics, the magazine about all of the inside information in the world of comic book publishing. And this special issue boasts an interview with a new creative team working behind the newest big release that Last Light Comics is planning to publish. It's a big, expansive interview with the headline on the front reading, How Two Newbies Plan to Tackle the Legacy of These Nostalgia Icons, and a subheading that reads, a sneak peek at the all-new continuation of a Last Light Comics classic. And you know, you got time to kill. And so, you know, the magazine is in your hands. And you turn the page. And then you find... And welcome to Last Light Comics, Rider Unlimited issue number zero. I am one half of your host, Justin Joyce, also known as Hyper, author, game designer, sometimes podcaster, joined today by my other co-host. Hello, you might know me as Danny, uh, sometimes podcast host, freelance illustrator, all around chill. That's, that's where you landed on? That's what we're going with. Yeah. <laughs> what? Would you prefer my... Man, I'm so happy to be here, but now I will never be here again. Is that what you, you would prefer? No. No. I just, I'm just acknowledging that you were like, I know how to introduce myself. All around chill. What the fuck are we? A nine, Some kind of 90s facsimile? Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Fucking, this is staying in, by the way, almost certainly. Well, yeah, of uh, course we're 90s imitators. We, like, are inspired by two, by Ots Media. What do you think we fucking are here? Uh, sufferers. Um, and welcome, regardless, and thank you for tuning in to the, for the first episode, the introductory episode of Last Light Comics. <clears throat> You may be wondering, if you've already made it this far and you've somehow managed to navigate around whatever marketing we've done up to this point for the show, what exactly is it that we intend on doing here? Well, Last Light Comics is in fact a super fiction actual play where we focus on telling singular stories that are set within a superhero comic book world. For our very first 
storyline and arc rider unlimited we're going to be focusing uh, on masks as an initial foundation but don't be surprised if you catch us playing some other games throughout the course of not just this arc but every other arc going forward as we intend to uh, first we wanted to simply explain how it is that we intend on playing at the table as you may have noticed first and foremost well there's only two of us and as we've just said, we intend on playing Masks which, uh, to start, which is a game that is known for trying to emulate things like Young Justice and Teen Titans and Young Avengers, you know, teams of teen superheroes. Uh, and we have our answers and our solutions, but we will get there in time. First, uh, I point... Danny, why don't you run through our rough uh, estimation of, of the safety tools we intend to use at this table throughout the course of our play on this entire podcast. Of course. Uh, we intend on using... Uh, a lot of the pe safety tools we use probably won't show up on recording, but it's worthwhile to go over. Uh, we've already discussed that the finer details of them will not will be off recording, but what we will be using in, like, spades is, you know is X card, lines and veils, uh, pause, fast forward, and rewind from script change. And I'm going to go through all of them individually, of course, but just giving a general overview now. Um, uh, lines and veils are sort of a genre setting tool of like, hey, these are things that we want as part of our fiction, but things we don't want part of our fiction, and things that we're fine with being dubious in our fiction, but not the focus of it. Um, script change is a lot of has a lot of various tools, and you can go check them out for yourselves. But the ones we typically use will be pause, fast forward, and rewind. Uh, pause being a moment to take a break, stop, talk about what's happening out of character, or just you know step away for a moment. Uh, rewind being a active retconning tool. Basically, it's anytime I want to say like, oh, I would have mentioned this to to this character, and it's not. And it's inconsequential detail, but it means more to me who's playing. Um, while, say, uh, fa and fast forward being a, hey, we don't need to play out this whole scene. Let's just go ahead and move ahead. Because we're not only are we not doing an active every single moment matters going by real time game. We're That never happens in fiction. Like in fiction... If, so, if a character is going to catch another character up to speed, they usually don't just, like, tell the audience every single detail that's happened unless it's relevant for, like, for whatever reason. And we will do the same. As well as, you know, it's a good way of m managing around our veils. Uh, I believe that's all of them. And as mentioned, uh, first things first, we don't intend on sharing the particular lines and veils that we have established, uh, just to be upfront. Uh, we don't feel it's particularly relevant to share our yeah, concerns, I suppose, is the good phrase to put it there. Um, yes, I would agree. And. Uh, when it of uh, and the things that we are particularly skeeved out about and make them even more generally public, um, and for anybody that may be concerned that going forward, then there might be contents regardless that you may have uh, problems with. One of the intents that is a safety tool I have in place for viewers uh, and listeners going forward is going to be. Um, an attempt to have a good amount of extensive content warnings in case there's any episodes going forward that feature content that I'm that I look at and I go, hmm, people could probably use a warning about this. Uh, I can't speak to what any of those what that content is because, well, we just haven't we haven't reached that point yet. Uh, so, <clears throat> just anticipate that I will be uh, content like content warning out uh, anything that may be going on going forward. Uh, and at the same time, moving forward into the next portion of this conversation, it's so, as mentioned before, we're playing masks, but the purpose of, of Last Light Comics, the idea that, that this was founded on, is that we want to emulate, yes, occasionally sort of team books and having probably more players around and etc., but the main thing that we are focused on trying to do is 
emulate the most common thing that you see in in comic books that are that are published, which is solo books, singular individual heroes interacting with the strange wider world that surrounds them. Uh, and Danny and I have done a, quite a lot of masks. Too so much, much masks. That some would argue that we have a problem. <clears throat> yeah, I would. I'd, I'd say yeah, we have a problem, um, and <laughs> part of it has also been that Danny and I have played uh, a non-zero amount of masks that have consisted of us, just the two of us playing this game together. Um, so we've changed some things. First, I actually want to address uh, end-of-session moves. Uh, as you might know, the end-of-session moves consisting of uh, growing closer to a, to the team, uh, growing into your own image and growing away from the team, um, growing in, growing closer to the team, uh, giving influence and either clearing conditional marking potential, um, growing into your own image where you shift your own labels, or growing away from the team where you... Uh, pull influence away from a member of the team. Uh, one of the things we've decided on is simply that you can, when you are growing closer to the team or growing away from the team, you can do so with NPCs, of which there will certainly be a decent amount to help fill this world. Uh, because if there's not going to be other players, then the team has to exist somewhere, and that team is going to consist of the people that inhabit this world, and the people that help uh, whoever our main character is throughout any arc. And the other thing is going to be how, we're, how we've shifted and changed team moves. Uh, as you may know, the, the team mechanic and the team moves consist of having a teammate um, spend one of the team from the pool, and it will increase the number that you've rolled in your results uh, as we are using masks, so PBTA and 2D6 and all that. Um, but without other players, without other teammates, it means that you don't really have that option. So instead, we've developed a little uh, hacked system for how team works with only a single player. Um, first... Uh, you can spend team before a roll to gain uh, advantage on the roll, which in our case means that rather than rolling 2d6 and then taking whatever you get, uh, you can roll 3d6 and then take the two highest numbers uh, that you rolled, and then those will be what you apply to uh, your success bands. Fuck, I had it, I had it there. And then That's I what it's fucking called? It. Jesus, I've never heard that in my entire life. We've made it so that you can spend one team. They will never hear what's just happened. You can spend one team uh, so that you can gain advantage on a roll before you make that roll. So that instead of rolling 2d6, uh, determining your result and then finding out what which success band you've landed on, you can simply take... You can roll 3d6 and instead take the two highest that you have rolled. And those will be how you determine it. So if you roll... A two, a six, and a five, you get to take the five and the six rather than uh, having to take the two and the five. We've also decided that uh, you can spend team sort of at any time, um, as in a similar way to uh, Fantasy Flight Games' Genesis system or the Star Wars RPG, Edge of the Empire, and all that, um, where you can spend team to give yourself some amount of fictional leverage uh some kind of detail like for example the the example that genesis gives and star wars gives is that oh we have to jump underwater and swim for an extended period of time uh so i'm going to spend the story point to say that i brought enough rebreathers or oxygen tanks for everybody in the party uh small details like that things that can give you leverage to try to then do things you can still spend team after the roll, selfishly, uh, with the understanding that if you do so, you will be uh, terribly fucking up something and ruining the life of some other character, uh, something that you're just going to have to deal with afterwards. You can 
non-selfishly spend team after a roll uh, to make an ally appear to, to assist you. However, we have, after some debate and, dis and deciding, have landed on the fact that you cannot choose who that ally is, and you have no control over whom's that is. It is entirely at the GM's discretion who, who arrives. Uh, so you could be getting assistance from one of your good heroic friends, or you can suddenly be assisted by one of your worst enemies, and now you have to deal with this person as well. Uh, anything is on the table. Or it could be someone you've never met before that's just going to be introduced right then and there. And uh, whenever time passes in the main game and the core mechanics of masks, uh, the team will reset to one. Considering the fact that we don't have a team to do the full team mechanics move that allows you to replenish that pool and put more uh, team into it. Instead, for us, whenever time passes, team will be resetting to five. Uh, and then you will just have five team that you can make use of or try to replenish through things like uh, comforting, supporting, and uh, defending people, and etc. Um, but five we thought about seems to be just about fine for trying to go forward and do anything uh in this game where you where failure is always a pr an ever-present threat have i missed anything danny is that all of them no i think you got i think you got everything perfectly uh i still really i still think my favorite one is always going to be the somebody shows up to help you it's got the fucking uh it's got the fucking vibe of that one Spire move that summons a dude with a gun and you have no control who the guy is, where he comes from, or, or what gun he's holding. Or if he likes you. That's just the mysterious stranger from Fallout. <laughs> that move. I can't wait for us to just spawn in the mysterious stranger. Never explain it. Say it's the same one from Fallout canon. I, I can't wait... To uh, fucking introduce a 1930s era mystery man who's still running around and still uses a normal ass gun to shoot people, and no one can catch him. It, oh, did you see him? Yeah, I saw him. What happened? He shot my. He shot my the robber I was trying to go after. I I don't even know why it was really excessive. <laughs> Just fucking gimped him like t used to. And then he and then after that, the strangest thing, he turned around and waved. I think he got an achievement for it. And with all of the with all the the rules and uh, all of the minutia run through and explained, we want to get talking about what we're uh, what we're really here for. So, as the title of this of this particular episode implies, uh, our first arc is going to be dedicated to a character by the name of Ryder, who will be played by Danny here, as I will hi. be handling the GM role. All right, uh, sick. Hi. Oh man, I'm excited to play this one. Yeah, uh, tell us about who this writer is. Uh, I'm playing writer. She is a, she's an, uh, she's an Asian Amer, she's an Asian American woman. Um, dresses in usually, dresses in mostly black with like sometimes a white cardigan, sometimes not. Um, short, a uh, short kind of messy hair. Um. I guess if I were to use, like, the look section, which I kind of ignore a lot of the time, because, uh, I don't, uh, use, and flashy costume, uh, which will be explained with her powers, uh, in a moment, um, uh, Scion, I guess, should I go, I guess, should I go for the, I guess that'll bring me to the lineage, which is what the Scion playbook uses instead of a traditional powers section, and I'll explain yep. what, uh, yep, um, so, uh, what, and my, and I am the daughter of the villain Absolute Zero. She is a uh, Doctor Doom adjacent figure who runs a shadow corporation known as Black Frost. Which we will get into that momentarily. She is, as I've put her down, a cruel mastermind and a grand tyrant. My relationship to her is actively adversarial, and um, yeah, I kind of dabbled with it being anything else, but actively adversarial is going to be it to start, but it can change. Uh, as for her, what she's got, um, she has superhuman martial prowess, endless minions, and diabolical machines, and I've decided to give her another one, an arsenal of powerful weapons and gadgets. 
she is, for all intent and purposes, themed off of tokusatsu villains. Specifically, the Corporation Shocker from Kamen Rider was a big touchstone for her. Uh, When I first started pitching her, I described her as, imagine if Rita Repulsa and Doctor Doom were the same character. A lot of that. She believes that she... She is someone who wants to protect the world, but in a very total totalitarian. Total ta- total How do you pronounce that one? Totalitarian. Thank you. Totalitarian way. Um, through use of creating these monsters in her lab and uh, various power and powerful weaponry, using. Just really whatever she's got. Magic, science, you name it, she uses it. And that gets us into me, Harmony Winters, a.k.a. writer. I have impressive martial prowess. I'm an incredible martial artist. I've been training since I was very little. And this was to prepare my body and myself to be the soldier who uses the powerful weapon uh, known as the Glory Driver. Using that, I transform into this... I transform... I gain a a suit of brilliant white armor with a golden V-crest on the helmet and menacing red eyes, long flowing white scarf, black bodysuit between the segments of armor and a a blade that usually spawns, like, on my back and I can pull it out. Uh, Very... uh, Very tokusatsu-inspired. I'll have a... I'll probably have a drawing up by the time the podcast launches... The Glory Driver is basically, at this point in time, Absolute Zero's magnum opus. Serenade Winters has spent the better part of her the better part of her career as Absolute Zero constructing it, and has pa- ultimately passed it on to me, and I stole it. It is it is a strange device that I don't fully know all of the capabilities thereof. The second part of my training was when I was going to join her side and run her. And run Black Frost, but that didn't happen. So I've just got to figure out what it does as we go. It should also be noted uh, while we're while we're talking about the powers of Harmony Winters and Ryder, uh, the fact that you know because we uh, both of us wear our particular love for uh, Toku Sentai as a genre um, on our sleeves. It is just a belt. It's yeah. a belt that doesn't look like it should be holding up anything besides uh, some kind of robot's pants. Yeah, effectively, yes. Um, it's uh, it's like it's it's like rectangular in shape with a red gem in the center. It looks like it has a card feeder on its left. It's very bare bones, almost very early Toku in spot in terms of like belt design. A uh, very compact. Uh, if, it, if this means anything to any of our listeners, Common Rider Decades Belt was an inspiration for this one. Um, and while while transformed, I gain you know the works, enhanced move, enhanced st- strength, mobility. I can jump around and land easily. Any, basically, like you know, I just get the works. I, she can't fly with it, but like again, just has a myriad of functions that I might not know all of them, but some of the ones that she has at least at the start is a weapon she can like have it zoom in and like she can have the vision on it zoom in to like focus on something stuff like that so my supervillain parent i went over her earlier but just to again have it here uh serenade winters is absolute zero uh she is a she has a she's almost like the she almost has a janus like secret identity public facing and villain identity no one knows that Serenade Winters is Absolute Zero and vice versa. Uh, Serenade Winters is the head of Winters R&D, a general science and sci- for the sciences and pharmaceuticals company that focuses on making the world a better place. Um, I don't have a slogan for it, but I'm sure we'll come up with one. Um, and Black Frost is much like, as mentioned earlier, Shadow Core uh, deals in like weapons... These like pow- specifically these pow- excruciatingly powerful ones, which I've just ripped the names from from the from the book, is the diabolical machines. Prepare for us to just call them rubber suits. 
because that's what they just tokusatsu villains they have a theme each of them are I wanna, very specific i want to bring i want to briefly say let we should we should explain for those who might not know why we're just going to keep calling them rubber suits oh i was because about it, to I, I i wasn't sure it sounded like you were moving on and i was like we should explain that we're not just like referring to them by by some kind of condom phrase there's a, uh, there's a world where we don't but and it's not this one um the the phrase rubber suits uh has spawned out of spawned out of a us needing a very quick shorthand to refer to tokusentai villains so the monsters that you see in the every single new episode in the monster of the week format of a common rider show or an ultraman show or power rangers uh You'll see these weird, bulging, strangely created monsters that are very clearly people in very hot latex rubber suits. Awful looking rubber suits, more often than not. Sometimes really good, but they look like hell to be inside of. So, we... What's that? They've been getting better as the years have went on, but that doesn't mean they haven't gotten better. <laughs> see, uh, you see, I compare those to so, to the very, very early like Common Rider ones, where they're literally just people wearing bodysuits and then a weird helmet, you know? Yeah, and you're it's right. like, man, we've come so far, but I feel so bad for the people that were in there in like the '90s. Um, but regardless, and that's where the phrase rubber suits comes from. Um, which, despite the fact that the diabolical machines are the thing that are the general reference of these things uh like our name for them in this particular context just it, we say rubber suit a lot we've been i dare say we've tried for a long time to just say like oh diabolical machine or whatever the alternative is for any other sentai thing that we've played before and it never works we never do it we never stick to it for more than a couple sessions <laughs> Imagine, we shouldn't, but imagine for this one, we actually just get one of us to generically say, Diabolical Machine. And we just edit it over each time we say Rubber Suit. Wouldn't that be a sonic don't, nightmare? Don't, do, do not tempt me. I, you know how much I don't care for my listeners. Hello, listener. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wanted to make this that brief aside to explain what rubber suits are um, it's, it's, before we go on without anything else. So, yeah, the diabolical machines are made one part's sciences, one part's arcane. Uh, they are basically the objects that are in that are enhanced with the soul, with the soul of a something, probably most like I most likely a demon, um, and are set are very specialized in what they're made to do. But what makes them great is that they are disposable, but they can come back really easily. All they really have to do is just do a good enough job to make Serenade be like, yeah, I'll remake this one after it blows up dramatically. And uh, the, using the diabolical machines, uh, she uses them to commit pretty much all sorts of crime and make all... And thus fund not only Black Frost, but Winter's R&D, so that way Winter's R&D can go back to funding her true project of to totalitarian global rule. <laughs> so, they could be anywhere, doing anything. Totalitarian. totalitarian. Um, the most common type of diabolical machine that she employs and uses and produces en masse because they're just useful and worthless... Uh, they are snowflakes. They are. I'm. We're not. I'm not going to pretend that they just aren't the crybots from SPD. They just look like that. Yeah. Or uh, for or for those who uh, or for those who associate the particular term with Power Rangers, because some people I think only know this one, putties from the original uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah. The phrase that still gets used for those generic antagonists, uh, like the the minions, are just called putties now by most people, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, like, But yeah, you know, just general mooks, minions, whatever you want to call them, but snowflakes is the ones that we use. They are, they look, they're incredibly humanoid. They just look like as if some dude was wearing a black bodysuit with a helmet with like one part of a pine tree adjacent snowflake just in the center of their helmet going up. They can swarm in, in en masse from any, from multiple directions. Usually just, they're, 
they're just like the hench they're just the henchmen replacements and much like diabolical machines they cost basically nothing to mass produce but yeah no yeah uh they come with they usually have like just different weapon varieties but whenever you see, but yeah just if, if a million of them appear and all of them explode don't don't think don't worry about it they're just they just do one thing and they attack <laughs> or do whatever they're being made to do at the moment. Um, who told me about my parents' true nature? Uh, I think we've settled on, and something I've always had, tr I want to have true with the characters. No one specifically told me. I found out the hard way. Um, w Harmony was, uh, very, was raised very high, was raised as very high standards, basically throughout her whole life, very sheltered kid. Um, Suffered all, and um, when it came time for her to finally join her mother's side, um, she kind of saw for herself what Black Frost was on the tour. Uh, was not pretty. Was not fond of the fact that Ser Serenade doesn't seem seems fine. At least the way she seemed during the tour, fine with the sacrifices that were being made. Uh, I don't know how much detail I... I don't want to get into too much detail, but, like, something that happened was, like, she saw the fact that the glory driver was being reproduced, and the person who was who was testing, like, the mass-produced version just, like, exploded trying to do the henshin se se sequence, and she's like, I cannot be fine with that. And, uh, she made that decision on her own, and that will be X, and that will be where we'll be picking off with that. Why why did you turn your lineage to become a hero? Uh she is down for the idea of saving the earth. But she is not down for the way that Serenade has pitched how it should be done. No one she doesn't think protection at the cost of freedom is uh worth it. Who outside of the team helps me on my chosen path? I think it's, at this point, no one? Yeah. Yeah, for now, I'm. she's literally just where we're going to pick up with her. She's just wandering. She's just trying to get to uh, Last Light City to try and find someone to help her. And uh, should I... Do you have a different question for why do I care about the team? So here, here is my because we kind of discussed it some time ago, um, and I have thought about this somewhat. Is I think that the why should why should I care about the team question should just be a different question uh, for it, like every character that we do if we're going to play masks, uh, especially if we're going to continue doing so without having other people on board as a team. Uh, so I think that the question for Harmony is supposed to be. As you just said, you're currently just wandering, making your way towards Last Light City, and I think that the question for you uh, of like why do you of, rather than uh, why do you care about the team should be why do you care about going to Last Light City? Why do you care about going to this random place in New York in New York State that you've never been? I heard once a long time ago, and I don't mean like the Middle Ages. I mean more like you know, eighties, nineties, maybe maybe early 2000s there was a team of people who had powers similar to that of the glory driver able to transform they were known as the wielders probably more like the wielders of light as like a long form but everyone knew them as the wielders um and no one's heard from them since the early 2000s i don't really have much else to go off of Except for that, that was the last place they were seen operating was Last Light City. So, I think she cares about it because, much like the name implies, I think it's her, what, I think she almost sees it as sort of a Hail Mary last chance to find someone who not only understands how to operate with the same powers that she has, but just would know what to do about Absolute Zero and Black Frost that, as far as... Harmony can tell are is getting closer and more powerful by the day to doing what they and getting closer to doing what they want to do. So, 
whether it's true or not, fictionally, she believes she's in a race against time to get as much help as she can get. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. I, I think I think it does perfectly so. Sick. And while uh, we're here and briefly mentioning it, uh, I will. I'm going to say uh, some very quick words in regards to uh, the setting of our podcast for just a moment. Um, a while we've talked a lot about specifically how this particular arc, we're not done talking about that, is going to be entirely very uh, tokusatsu inspired, and you know, very much we are all we are going to be pulling from our love for all things Common Rider, Ultraman, Super Sentai. For me, deeply Power Rangers, uh, as it is what I grew up on. Um, but this world is not only a sentai and like toku powered world this is a this is very much a what you'd imagine of a fully realized comic book world that has been ongoing for an, a for a long long time uh, so don't think that there's only going to be uh, power rangers and common riders and that kind of thing inside this world there's a lot of weird stuff to find uh, and the main setting that we're going to be at uh, where Rider is going towards. I'm going to uh, also state this now. Last Light, uh, N- Last Light, New York is in fact a city that is along the uh, Atlantic coastline, uh, right along the the East Coast itself. And you might be asking yourself, but hey, wait a second. I thought the only parts of New York State that are attached at all to the coastline are New York City and Long Island. And to that I say, uh, you would you would be correct. Last Light New York is actually uh, located approximately where New Haven, Connecticut is. And you might be asking, well, wait, how that's like a two-hour drive away from New York City. To which I also respond, yes, that entire strip of land that is Connecticut from New York City up to New Haven, that's all part of New York State now. Every pretty much the entire length of of the coastline but along but like that follows long island and the way it stretches out that is part of new york state you may be asking why i don't have an answer for you because it doesn't fucking matter well you know what they say it's the old adage about the system right play to find out yep i'll also say very specifically the last thing you might be wondering is but what about yale university to which i respond it's gone we don't need it never needed it we've not fuck we, yale we have lost absolutely nothing but we don't we if have you go, if you go to yale fuck you too man we just lost the yale listeners but you know what we gained everyone else uh so i just want to make sure that that everyone's at least approximately aware am i saying that you can just copy paste a new city on top of new haven no not at all i'm just telling you it's basically around ish there the lighthouse is still there though yeah so no, so you know the only, the only important thing still there. And for you people who live in New Haven but don't attend Yale, I'm sure New Haven's a fine place. Yeah, um, it was such a fine place that we've decided to give you a new city. And uh, if details about Last Light we'll be talking about in the show it proper. Uh, you, you can find out alongside Harmony everything that's going on in this uh, quaint, little, sprawling urban metropolis. <laughs> and... And while we're here, we might as well also just, um, we might as well at this point just shift on over to uh, doing a little discussion on, um, like, why we're, why we're doing a Toku Sentai story, why we're, why we want to do this, the shit that we're pulling on for it, you know? Let's Uh, just, let's just talk some Toku Sentai shit. Ah, fuck, finally, now it's my turn, now you can't shut me up. Yeah, go ahead, yeah, (laughs) go be free. I'm a swarm of bats in the shape of a woman. Anyway, um, (laughs) so, uh... God, if there's if nothing else, when Harmony really is just a love letter to Tokusatsu as a genre, and I'm not gonna pretend like I'm not gonna play it that way. Well, yes, Common Rider is the big pull because Common Rider is something I've been a big fan of since ever since I was like a teen. Um, I mean, I was into other stuff too. Like I grew up on Power Rangers myself, but I've uh, when I was a teen, I was introduced to Common Rider, and like, I, well, I haven't seen Ultraman proper. I still respect what it's done for the genre, but fuck, who doesn't? And also, fuck, who doesn't love a good Godzilla flick? Um. The reason why um, I pitched, I think I pitched, I pitched Harmony to Hyper to be our first character, why Hyper agreed, and something we're both on the same page of is like, 
there's a sect of people who don't consider tokusatsu to be superhero genre and i kind of disagree but that and they're wrong and they're very wrong also sokusatsu and magical girls are share genre but that's a different podcast that's a different day for different podcasts but um no i for inspirations where i pull winter from or harmony um i pull a lot from the first writers that i saw a lot of like i pull from I pull from Wizard. I pull from bit. I pull from Decade. I even pull a little bit of Forze, mostly in Palette, but admittedly, but like, I pull and even went Harmony's backstory is pretty one to one with uh each with uh Kamen Rider with Ichigo himself. Um, I think the only thing that's different is she's not a cyborg, which even then I've even gone back and forth on whether or not she should be. But like, no. Um, I think Tokusatsu is just this incredible over-the-top, but highly dramatic genre of such strong possibility that goes super untapped within the masks, within, like, superhero sphere, and well, yes, and I'm not saying I can't take a good parody. Who loves it? Fucking, it's funny to watch, like, five dudes try to try to do the p- pose and then they cry about how they've lost their youth or people make fun of them, but, like, I have such a love for this genre and um, I see a lot of people whenever they talk about masks of what do we need to change about masks to do tokusatsu or a Power Rangers team. Because, you know, everyone in the Power Rangers team has the same powers, which even then, that's not true. Lads, you know, y'all, I'm going to say lads, you know, it's not true. And I really want to set out just sh- that's why we chose this character to be our first is. I guess one, I, I guess symbolically, she also kind of functions as an air quotes outsider to a superhero society but also i just think it's a good point to prove that you can do tokusatsu stories in masks or any superhero genre without modifying it too much we've done like the modifications we've done for like playing like air quotes single player masks but like really i think i really just want to prove to all the fans of tokusatsu out there who want to play that character who screams henshin and transforms that there's a place for you here you don't need to change the rules of your table. I also want to briefly say, first things first, um, in regards to uh, but playing Sentai and Toku stuff at the masks table, first things first. Danny and I have been doing this for so long, and it has almost exclusively been Sentai shit that we have done. There's a lot of other stuff that we've played together, but we do so much Sentai Toku shit at masks, at the masks table. Um, like... We've played Henshin together, we've done other games, and Masks, frankly, feels like one of the easiest goddamn systems at all to do a Toku story, which is frankly why I was very 100% that we should still use Masks for this one rather than try to find something else. Uh, and also, in that same regard, I've also I've also grown up on, on Sentai stuff and, you know, uh, transforming hero as a genre. Power Rangers was my life as a kid. I remember watching Lightspeed Rescue as my first and then watching all the Power Rangers, like, Chronicles stuff that they aired on Jetix to watch the rest of the series. SPD is still my favorite um, season of the entire show. Uh, in particular, my favorite episodes being the uh, the Reflections two-parter of SPD that really has stuck with me as a piece of this is what the Sentai genre can really do. But also, you know, while, I, while I'll admit I've been away from the genre for a very, very long time, I also watched quite a bit of Sailor Moon back on back on Toonami. Ah, uh, oh, Sailor Moon. Good shit. Which is which is also just a Sentai show. Um, in the same way, I also watched American Dragon, Jake Long, Ben 10, Iron Man, Armored Adventures, one, which is my favorite piece of Iron Man media, um, which are all just Sentai shows. The, the, the back end of uh, Mega Man Anti-Warrior, where Land starts fusing with Mega Man pretty much every episode, that becomes a Power Ranger show. Oh, it does. Absolutely. Um, like, it, there's no questioning. Um, there, and I dare to even argue that you have things that you could make arguments for things like the Incredible Hulk um, and some versions of Spider-Man, not even including the one that the, the actual Super Sentai uh, Toei Spider-Man the that they the from the Japanese TV series like there's there's a lot of you know I think people end up 
watching and experiencing a lot of toku stuff in their media consumption and just don't even grasp that it is despite the fact that it still hits a lot of the same genre notes like i don't mention these characters for this just because they're people that can transform into their hero form it's like the shows themselves carry very much similar vibes that the questions about double life about living a double life and the secret identity of while specifically having a form that is i have no powers in this form but i have a lot of powers in this form you see it in a, bu in a bunch of other cartoons even it's just like it's it's there's a lot of media that it, that is about this 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 concept in this genre yeah and also like not only that but like the idea of a character who on that same note ben 10's a big a big one which is i think does ben 10 does the best job of i think ben 10 has its tokusatsu roots everyone who's seen it can anyone who's seen it could tell you that way big's an alien in that show i don't need you don't need to d defend that one um but like the idea also of this like thing that you have that you don't understand its full capabilities of or maybe or its capabilities are still developing alongside you it's just such a fascinating prompt of a person who has no power of a person who is previously not empowered and gaining empowerment through something that's helping them. I think is a very nice theme. So much. There's so much Sentai and Toku transforming hero stuff that exists, you know, everywhere in all media. Um, and I adore it. And diving deep into Super Sentai and Power Rangers has only made me appreciate it more. Also, um, I never watched Gotcha Man, like the actual version of it, but I have seen all of the, uh, ver I have seen the, um, reruns of the, uh, that English dub, G-Force Guardians of Space. Um, some, uh, so like, you know, chalk that one up too. Just so much of it that's like this is explicitly a sentai show i gotta watch gotcha on crowds i st someone got me start i gotta force somebody to watch it with me at some point god that show's so pretty one of these days i will too um but yeah like i i love this genre and one of the details that has come to me that uh, one of the details that's really come to me for years especially after power rangers is just how much one can do with this genre because the entirety of it is is doing something interesting in and around the formula of a tokusatsu show which is you know normal having a normal everyday mundane problem monster attacks trying to solve having have a supernatural problem occur learn a little thing about how to deal with your mundane life and also how to beat the monster uh, advance the plot for the season, <laughs> kill monster, it gets big, you get a mech, there's nothing else that matters anymore, you destroy the monster with the, with your mech, and then you move on. Um, but, despite how rigid it feels like that formula is supposed to be, god, these, I mean, the Kamen Rider and Super Sentai and Power Rangers are, have obviously been running for decades individually from, from each other. I think uh, there's about a hundred years of content between them. Uh, and, the, I mean, they just keep finding new and interesting stories to tell within that format for not just season-long arcs, but for even just individual episodes. I again point out SPD, the two-parter Reflections, which is two separate Monster of the Week episodes that just happen to be connected by one villain. Um, and they tell such a fascinating, moving, and interesting story about a kid who's lost his dad who's just trying to reconnect to him by way of being forced to interrogate the person who murdered his father. And it's like, this is a this is a Power Ranger show that aired in the mid-2000s. Yeah. Uh, also, there's something I want to talk about uh, in terms of the other... I know you don't live here, but in Kamen Rider, there's a... Kamen Rider Deno is at a surface level a very stupid and goofy show. But, like... If, uh, it's, but like, especially if you look at the timeline of when it came out, of, it came out, like, after a very recent tragedy in the country of its filming... And, like, the show itself is such a kind show to the victims of its rubber suits, too. Because the show's... To explain a little bit further, Deno is about the main character having to basically let himself get possessed by a rotating cast of... Ensemble cast of demons. Um, and that's just the long and short... Who have a magical time-traveling train. That's the long and short of the pitch. But, like, the way they start you on this show, the first person that you deal with is this dude who beats the shit out of the... who is going to beat the shit out of the MC. 
And the detail it focuses on is a keychain that he loses, and that's why he wants to beat the shit out of him. Um, this keychain is actually from his mom, who... He wasn't there when she died in the hospital. And a demon... And a, basically a demon rolls up and is like, Hey, I can get you anything that you want. And he says, Sick, get me back my keychain, and also beat the shit out of the guy who, who lost it. And the demon's like, You got it, boss. But the thing about these demons, they don't really grant you, they grant you wish, but like not really. They just do enough so that way they can like do whatever they want to do. But like, there's a thing that Deno does when they go back into the past to fight the rubber suit in its bigger form, where the main character takes a moment to take this guy who he really has no business helping after everything he's put him through. But like, he's like, he can't change the past, but what he does change is this. He gets him to the hospital so that way he can say goodbye to his mom on Christmas Eve. And the way it's filmed is this very... There's no, like, tragic line or chewing the scenery. It's just a very quiet scene of a somebody... Without even any audio of somebody saying goodbye to his mom. And, like, this is it, right? This is why Toku is where we have gone. We are almost certainly 100%. We're going to be. We're going to end up telling a lot of different stories in this show. We want to, actively, um, but Dan and I uh, here. We we adore our Toku Sentai shit way too much, um, and frankly, yeah. The you 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 pitched this uh, as like, oh man, we should make sure that this is the character that maybe we should start with because I, I remember coming to you with the concept of the for uh, that uh, hey what about th- what about that character uh for this thing and settling on it being first because sen- this particular sentai story feels like a perfect introduction uh to this weird and insane world that we intend to share that also you know gives us an excuse to get out all of these Sentai ideas that we've had for way too long. And I, uh, you know, the other detail that I, I want to at least mention in regards to a thing that I, I care about a lot. Uh, no one, I feel like, uh, actually really cares about it, like, in, in earnestly. Um, but Power Rangers uh, has, this fo- has this one detail about it that is either really good or really bad, depending on the season, which is this focus on legacy. Um like, the past teams, the people who have wielded these powers before the current team, the concept of how these people wielded those powers, and whether or not, um, like, the concept of Power Rangers continuing to exist to defend Earth is even a good thing. Something that it doesn't, that is never touched on for very long, because the answer is always yes. But I love so much every time that they actually take a little bit of time to not give us fan service and let us, you know, see Tommy Oliver start beating up rubber suits again even though it is always nice to see him still kicking but like i love finding out just like oh hey here's what's currently happening with this other team or here's a little story that's dedicated to us bringing in an old team and that team not just the usual like uh yearly crossover episodes with the previous team but like here's this team from you know Here's Lost Galaxy from the mid '90s, and now this team is here, and they're gonna, and they're going to help train, you know, or something like that. Or we're just gonna discuss some detail about something that happened during their adventures that's now come back to work with ours and etc. And it's the kind of stuff that I really, really love and enjoy seeing, just because I I feel that, like any superhero story. Um, you know, the idea of, of the things that precede you and the stories that are happening now is something that I, I really care about and I really love. Oh, and also, uh, uh, the early Kamen Rider and Super Sentai are dedicated to punching a lot of Nazis, and I look forward to punching a lot of Nazis. Oh, thank God. We're going to punch... We have so many Nazis to punch. Well, not an abundant amount, but we have enough to punch, you know? Uh, we have we we don't have a lot we, we we don't have a lot of Nazis that we plan to punch, but the fact that we have planned to punch any and that we've received these um, this amount of nickels for it is a concern. Um, but I'm looking forward to punching them. Uh, I, I don't think Harmony is gonna uh, hide inside of a coffin waiting for Nazis to dig up gold for several hours. You don't know that. Uh, I I don't know that. I don't I don't think it will happen, but I also can't I can't say that it won't. You don't know what's going to happen when I pick up Dangerous Web. Stop, please. 
think of, think of the audio. We're gonna have to record an episode of you in a coffin. Yeah, I'll just throw. I'll just. I'll just drag my mic along the rocks outside my bedroom. It's fine for like six hours. <laughs> I th- I think that I think that's everything I have to say uh, to, uh, in getting people ready and sized up for uh, <laughs> this episode. So, um, do you have do you have anything to say as a final as final words, Danny? I'm just I think like I said I've grown up with this media for pretty much a lot of the stuff you've mentioned. I've also had like I followed Ben Ten, but even up to, even up to whatever its last one was before the reboot. I cannot remember off the top of my head. Um, man. Omniverse? Omniverse, yeah. I've even lived through Ultimate Alien. Uh, should I go over, like, the, like... You know, just for the mechanic... Should I also go over for... Read my playbook, uh, the movies I picked, and, like... I also do want to talk a little bit about respect, because there's a... The respect, because I need to start off with two, and I couldn't decide the two names I should write down, or even if I should, before we arrive in Last Light. If you want to list off the, um... If you want to list off the moves, you can, but uh, we can talk about respect in a second. Um, uh, just just for those who are curious, I figured I'd at least mention it. Um, I decided to pick up. I'll show them, and they don't deserve forgiveness. I've cho- uh, I'll show them as a move that allows me whenever I defend someone who doesn't believe in me, I can always take influence over them, even on a miss. You know the sort of fictional like you you protected me after everything moment. And uh, they don't deserve forgiveness is, um, I think, possibly one of my favorite moves in Masks. It allows me to basically go on a big spiel on, like, if I s- accuse someone of being irredeemable, I can mark two conditions to show how much I'm hurt by that notion and possibly being ruled by, emo- by emo- my emotions in that moment and tear away their influence over me. And anyone, anytime I'm fighting anybody, regardless of if I've done the move on them or not, anytime I'm fighting anybody who doesn't have influence over me, I can always pick an option. I've chosen these moves because, again, I think I'll show them as really fascinating for, like, a character who might start with people who don't necessarily know her or believe in her. And I also think they don't deserve forgiveness is, um, a cool move for this character. Is also another cooler move for this character because it allows me some sway of who has influence over me or not. And, like, even if I deal with people, and I think it just is a cool way of showing Winters or Harmony's a very, uh, very combat-oriented person when she's focused. And in regards to your respect, we have dis- we discussed before the fact that it's considering the fact that where we're we're uh, where we are going to be picking up with uh, Ryder consists of uh, Harmony trekking across uh, upstate New York in search of Last Light City. Uh, that and being completely fresh and new to the world, we've discussed whether or not it even makes sense for you to have any respect to start uh, for the people that are supposed to fill those slots, or if those are slots that you could that you should just fill as you discover the nature of the of what's gone on in your absence from the city and what your mother's been up to. So I'm kind of in the boat of I think they should all be blank. Frankly, even though that tells me I should, I sh- I can fill in a few names or squints. I don't even know if it tells. Me. I know a lot of masks stuff says, oh, you need to f- fill out at least two of these. I don't actually think it tells me to do any of that. It says I may. Fascinating, neat. Yeah, I I I stand by that. Personally, I believe that it's probably best that that we leave them blank and we can discover exactly what Absolute Zero has done slash the people that are connected to her as we get to the city and as Ryder uh, explores the world uh, that is around her. Yeah, I I'm jive with that. I think it works especially because like a lot of masks assumes we already did episodes. We already did like the. Basically, it assumes that we already did the first two episodes of Young Justice, or just like Teen Titans, it just starts. Yeah. So, I think leaving it blank is fine. Do you have anything else to say to our viewers before uh, we get out of here? Uh, Take care of yourselves, um, break laws responsibly, and for the love of God, please be safe. Danny said everything that I have to... that I could have also potentially said. Uh, So... With all that, thank you for tuning in to our 
introductory episode of Last Light Comics. Uh, the next thing you're probably going to see in this feed is going to be a collection of teasers. Scenes and things set out there within the world of Last Light Comics before we then dive headlong into our main event, Rider Unlimited, number one. Yeah!